You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Shared the stage with some of the world's greatest musicians, and James Biscuit Rouse is here tonight to give us some of that greatness, playing with his own band, the Buttered Biscuits. This is the B-side, and I'm Kenyatta Beasley. Before we meet the band, Biscuit, can you tell us some more about the song that you just played? Uh, yeah, um, Rule the World. Um, <laughs> I was gonna guess that. <laughs> uh, Tears of Fears, of course. Um, one of my favorite tunes by them, and one of my favorite groups as well. I like picking songs to sing that are, first of all, easy to play on drums, because, you know, that's not easy. <laughs> I mean, to play and sing at the, the same play time. The play and sing, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. But, you know, songs that have um, good lyric content and stand for something, um, even in this day and time we live in now, mm -hmm. anybody who wants to rule the world and look at the White House, ooh, did I say that too loud? Ooh. Yes, you, you. Oh, yes, yeah, you I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, Can you introduce all uh, these, these fine <laughs> musicians <laughs> that you okay. brought with you? On keys, we have Devon Allison. We have a guitar legend among men over here, Mr. Mark Bowers. Yeah. <laughs> the baby of the group, Gabriel Otero. Okay. No, Rick Ashton, Doug Fitch. <laughs> so, man, uh, you're, you're, you're a Philly native. Yes, sir. Um, did you grow up, I'm assuming, you do you come from a musical family? Yes. So you grew up playing drums, wait, wait, how, what was your introduction to the drums? Church. <laughs> and that, I'm assuming that was your introduction uh -huh. to singing as well. Yeah. So did you come from a musical, uh, musical family? My father played piano. Um, on my father's side, everybody played piano or drums mm -hmm. or sang, uh, good, the majority of them sang. Mm -hmm. but. Everybody else played drums and piano. So, so, it's, so it's pretty much expected. Uh, James, you were going They didn't to, uh, know what to expect out of me. So <laughs> <laughs> they just like, <laughs> do what you're going to do. And um, I would get lost in church, and they couldn't find me. And then they was like, oh, he's at the drums. OK, he's fine. So, oh, so I would just disappear. So how, how old were you when, when you uh, first approached the drum, the drum set? According to my mother, about three or four years old. Yeah. Uh, so out of your family, who was uh, the, the biggest the biggest influence on you? Out of my family? Yeah. 
Well, you said you play, you know, you're from a, a family full yeah. of musicians that all played, so. Well, I mean, my great-grandfather, because he played um, jazz viola. Mm. He, you know, he was grumpy, but you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I was hip enough to understand when he was playing, okay, all right, he's kind of cool right now. Right, and other times, he's like, I'm getting in trouble, so he's gonna fuss at me, but I'm gonna take it while he's playing, I'll, I'll take that cool <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so the thing about the church is that I know it's a lot of musicians play more than one instrument. So besides singing and playing drums, I mean, I know your background as a musical director, so you have to be able to kind of give direction. Do you do anything else besides uh, singing and, and drumming? Um, I play piano a little bit just to write and figure out everybody's parts. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is your part. Mm -hmm. Play it. Bless you. <laughs> Play a little bit of bass. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> no, so, at, so at what point as you're growing up, do you find that, you know, you know what? I, I think I'm going to do this for a living. Um, or did it ever cross your mind at all? Did it you just did. Know? I was actually in um, middle school. Mm -hmm. uh, Evelyn Gray's ministry was a, you know, Christian school, mm -hmm. and um, the the pastor, Bishop Graves, she was a recording artist. So they would have different concerts at the church, and this one time they had the Winans come. Mm -hmm. So something happened, and I got called to play drums right before they got on, and I was like, duh, I want to do this. Mm. And it was just like, it hit me right there, and... My mother, she just went with it and was like, okay, this is what he's going to do. When it got time to go to high school, what do you want to do? I want to go to Performing Arts High School. Did what I had to do to get there because I was performing all through middle school and junior high school, mm -hmm. you know, because the Christian schools we went to, they were performance arts based. Right. And so I was always doing something in the arts. Right. Um, and then in church, of course, my aunt was a choir director and if there was a tenor solo, I always got it. And she would pinch my ear and be like, all right, get off the drums and sing the song. I was like, what are you And so I was playing for the adult choir and for the uh, combined choir at church and then convocation. So it was just like, all right, this is what he's going to do. Got out of college and was just like, yeah. So what I want you to do is set up the next song because I want to have a further discussion about you moving on to high school in college, because you actually have a, you know, a pretty unique story about you know, your, your, your musical journey. So can you set up the, uh, your next song? Okay, the next song is called Biscuit Street. <laughs> I watched too much TV as a kid. Let's, okay. let's start there. So, especially cartoons. Um, and Wait, but how did you get the name Biscuit, by the way? <laughs> I, I'm curious. <laughs> it was a joke that stuck uh, during the whole neo-soul movement that was going on in Philly. Um, at the time, I was playing percussion and singing background for Bilal. And we just happened to be home, and we were doing a show called da -da 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 -da, Blue Funk, mm -hmm. run by John Barber. And I was running a band that night, and they was like, what's the name of the band? I don't care, just had money for the band at the end of the night. That's all I care. Mm -hmm. So somebody says, give it up for the band, Three Wings and a Biscuit. My dumb behind is standing on stage while I'm fixing something, not really paying attention. And someone says, Who's Biscuit? I just happened to stand up on cue and was like, what did I walk into? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Somebody saw me on the street and was like, yo, Biscuit. I was like, okay. 
And it just stuck. That's what I'm saying. It was a joke that stuck. One of them things. The buttered biscuits <laughs> and biscuit strips. Yeah. Your, your upbringing in Philly, because when I think about Philadelphia, I think about, it's really like one of the hubs of urban music mm -hmm. in regards to the level of musicianship as far as jazz, as far as gospel, as far as R&B, and uh, as far as hip hop. And you actually kind of represent a little bit of everything. Can you tell me like a little more about your upbringing in, in Philly and how like just being on the scene and playing in, in all these different venues, how did that uh, affect you growing up? Uh, of course, uh, you know, I'm a PK kid, so, you know, I had restrictions on what I could listen to, mm. so I had to sneak and listen to some things, you know, especially like hip-hop. My mom was not having it. She was a pastor, so mm. she's not having it. Mm. Um, but jazz, classical, um, some R&B, depending on the content, mm -hmm. was cool, you know. Of course, gospel was just clean across the board. Right. Um, in high school, especially, that's when I really got introduced to jazz and playing other things. Where'd you go to high school? Performing arts. Um, high school. So that, that was your... That, that, that was Same your, as Boys to Men. Your first exposure to jazz was actually there, so... I, I mean, mean in, in junior high school, because my uncle was a jazz drummer, mm. and um, so, but more so when I got to high school, because I really got to be in the band in high school. Um, and being in the choir as well. So mm -hmm. I was a dual major in high school. So, you know, I got to do both things and we we did everything from opera to pop music. Got to be in the Grammy choir. Yeah. Yeah, on the national, I did, I did uh, international and national. Mm -hmm. So for Grammy choir, I did, I did uh, the band for, um, for state, for state, state Grammy. Grammy band, but mm -hmm. national for choir. But you know, high school was that real turning point, right? Where we, because we had to cross everything, because we were actually doing productions, like stage production, like we were doing Broadway, right? So you know, that was the real turning point. Right. Um, as far as clubs, right? Um, of course, you know, we all snuck in the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know, have older. Did you have your fake mustache at the time? No, nah, I didn't yeah. do that one. I, <laughs> no, I had it. No, but yeah, you know, sneaking in clubs, listening to R&B. That's how I really got into R&B. Sneaking mm -hmm. into clubs and well, it's not there. It was a club called Hollywood Palace. That you know, like, if you were a musician that was touring, you could find them there when they were home playing doing open mics or just playing whatever, you know. Mm. And it was a good studying tool for me, you know. Um, I often, I was often referred to as the young kid amongst the old heads. <laughs> so like, when I was able to, when they actually let me play and they stopped kicking me off the drums, right. they was like, okay, yeah, 
Yeah. So after you um, after you leave high school, you went on to college to go to Westminster Choir College. Oh, interesting. Yeah, total turn, <laughs> total left turn. So why? So how did you take that turn to choir college? <laughs> um, my choir director um, was playing at a church that was affiliated with Westminster Choir College. Right. And we would come up there and do special programs sometimes and sing, and he was like, you really should try this. And mm -hmm. I could do it, because I was at the top of my class as far as the choir. I was the choir vice president. Mm -hmm. I have an addiction. I, have, I didn't know they had presidents and vice presidents. Yeah, in, in high school, yeah. I just, I just, <laughs> I just learned something there. Yeah, I was the choir vice president. My sister was the president. Yeah. <laughs> nepotism. Yeah, right. nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that and um, it was it was a good experience because I actually learned a lot more than I was already in high school because it helped me develop how to sing and how to teach others how to sing. So it was like if I'm on an R&B gig, I can watch you mm -hmm. and say, all right, right there, do this, you know, or helping the simple thing of breathing, which a lot of people do wrong. Right and they wonder why they're hoarse, you know? Right. So how to take care of myself vocally or help the others. So everything was building up for something else. So do you think that's like a trait that you've actually brought with you? Because um, as we'll talk about later, you're actually a musical director and have to work with background vocalists <laughs> and do a lot of coaching, I assume. I mean, I'm assuming that those skills from choir you actually adapted to your yeah. music musical director gigs. Mm -hmm. All right, so after this, you went on to Temple University, right? Yes. So what did you study there? Uh, jazz before, well, when I, when I transferred from Westminster, I was still under music education. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was like, mm, I don't want to do this no more. I want to do education. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just went into jazz performance and music technology. Mm. Yeah, which was just learning how to work in a recording studio. Yeah, so. I mean, all appreciable skills that yeah. you actually, you know, yeah. you, you use. Uh, so I'm assuming that you've actually, you, you produced three records mm -hmm. so far. So I want to talk about those three records after you set up this next song. Okay. Which is going to be? Okay, give it a chance. Yeah. Give it a chance. Yeah. James Rouse and the Buttered This. You're the one 
Give it a chance. Uh, that that song has special meaning. Yeah. How so, sir? Uh, it's the kind of story of my wife and I meeting, mm -hmm. and a love story blooming to where we are now. So you actually wrote this for your wife as part of what uh, to mm -hmm. just part of a proposal, uh, or just a song? Just say, hey. <laughs> it actually became my wedding song. I sang to her at that wedding. Um, but it's it just depicts different phases from us meeting, taking a chance, both of us coming out of bad relationships and just taking a chance on meeting each other and then trying and like, yeah, okay, yeah, it works. So that became... <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm just taking out <laughs> So, uh, I mean, so that's your wedding song. I mean, I'm assuming you weren't playing drums while you were singing that. Like, oh, no, 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 not on the wedding day. So um, that, that's uh, from your latest record, right? Yeah. And you also have three records as leader that you've all produced. And you said that you went to Temple and you became a recording arts major and... No, I was a jazz performance major, but the you did music recording part... Yeah, the music yeah. tech was, was like a, was an elective uh, sub-degree, as they called it then. So did that serve as uh, your for your time at Temple? Did it actually serve as uh, some of the foundation for you actually? To be because honest, you're, you're 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 a pretty adept producer, as well. So I'm assuming you you've come at you know with a lot of uh, tools of the trade. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I actually cut a lot of those classes because I wasn't really learning anything. <laughs> so I cut class and went to a studio that was like five blocks from campus, and <laughs> yeah. Man, you know what? I'm happy was, you weren't in one, one of my classes, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I should go to your class. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy you weren't though. You make my class. No, but yeah, I was actually an intern at another studio. Okay. So I was like, I actually learned more than I was like, I'm paying to. All right, I'm just gonna cut class and just go over here. So what? I mean, at what point did you find yourself saying, you know, man, I'm, I have some production chops that I can actually, uh, you know, I can pull this off. You know, it, you know, that's a, always a, a chance, <laughs> you know, because it's always objective to who's listening you right. know so i might like something you might not like it right she might like it you might not you know it's all subjective you know so i i view it as try it throw it out there if it works it works if it doesn't hey try it again <laughs> so you you've also man you you've also um when i first met you i believe you you were actually the musical director for miss lauren hill Mm -hmm. Tell me about that experience. <laughs> Actually, man, tell me, like, you know, how the, you know, it, it's common for drummers to become musical directors, but kind of not common in the sense. So how did you land that gig, man? Uh, I got called to do the audition, mm -hmm. and first gig was, uh, it was a reggae fest in New Zealand and Australia, the mm -hmm. Ragamuffin Festival. Mm -hmm. And from there, that was 2010. And up to 2015, mm -hmm. where, you know, things happen. And, you know, it just, I became somebody that she could trust to do things between leading the band and 
guiding. And you know, she, you've worked with her before. Mm -hmm. You know, she and, and just artists in general, they tend to lean to people that they can trust to do things without having to be over them all the time. Right. You know, that's not all artists, but she's one of those artists where if she can trust you, and I just happen to be one of those people. Right. And I kind of made sure I knew everybody's part. Right. Because my part, how I played, depended on him playing his part, such and such and such and such, you know. So I made it my business to know each part. And um, she's a type of person that's always writing. So you, you got to be active and always up on the latest gear and software and trying, trying to be daring to try things and not be scared right. to, to break the mold mm -hmm. of what status quo. So you have to do it this way. Right. So, you, so your you know. five your five years of working with Lauren, what what were what were some of the, uh, the 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 lessons that you actually walked away with? Because um, I'm assuming it had to be a lot. Oh, it was a lot of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> um, never conform. Um, be daring. Always um, never take no for an answer as a as the final answer. Right. Um, Always play with your heart. Always give it with give your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what you're feeling beforehand, when you get there, whether it comes out right, like I I sang some jacked the notes a second ago, but the heart and intent behind it is what matters. You've seen her when you, when she's singing. There's been times when she's had no voice, no voice at all, right. and just the intensity and the heart behind it. You feel that, and you be like, oh, I forgot about that note, but I feel the message. So I mean, you know what you it. it to, to, to be the musical director for a gig like that, you would have to be, you, you need somebody who's one, a people person, because yeah. working with Lauren, I remember her, her actually changing a lot of the songs on the sound check. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it was the MD's job of actually having to relate to the band, okay, well, the way we did it yesterday will be different. I mean, so I'm assuming that you would have to be well, real flexible. Well, it, it was kind of like, I was MD, but it was a collective thing. Right. It was like we all worked together. My job was just to make sure everything was just glued together at the final point and just cue people, you know, make sure people were together. All, all the, the changes, I mean, like, she gave direction. Sometimes she would give it up to us, like, all right, you go all create. Mm. Like, or she'll give us, um, I knew she gave us a sample to use, and we had to create a whole song out of it. And it changed the whole song. So, you know, it's, you know, we've had, like you said, those rehearsals the night before we changed the whole set and it's a two or three hour show mm -hmm. or in sound check is changed and you got to be on it just to remember it and, and execute and <laughs> we did it. Sound check becomes rehearsal. Exactly. <laughs> I, I definitely remember those days. So can you set up the, um, the next song? What's okay. Our, what's the our next, next song, song, Biscuit? Is from a dear friend and godmother of my child, Miss Allison Williams. It's oldie but goodie. Uh, I'm having a blank. Don't ask my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So you know what? I, I'm, I'm sitting here in, in 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 my notes, and I've known you for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to work with a lot of people, and sometimes when you know somebody on like a regular, you know, everyday level, where you you know you might chop it up with them, you forget that you've worked with Lauren and Nile Rogers and all these people. But to go from being a musical director and being drummer to the stars. I'll anoint you, drummer to the stars. I believe it, I believe it. <laughs> there, there is hope. Um, now that you're leading your own band, what's the biggest difference between, you know, being musical director and working for all these famous artists and now, you know what, I'm the leader, I'm responsible, and I'm, I'm doing my own thing now? Uh, everything's really on me. <laughs> it's really on me. Right. Um, and it's almost starting over again, a career over again. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, people see you playing on stage with these well-named and known artists. Right. Half the time, they don't know who we are unless the camera is on us, we do a solo or something, or we get an interview. Yeah, and it's your, it's your five seconds at yeah, that point. Yeah, right. short five seconds. Yeah, and then back, yeah, to, the, and and back to the headliner. Back to you, Bob. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> so it's like, it's literally like starting over again. And I have moments I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Uh, okay, and then, you know, and then you have people that encourage you mm -hmm. and remind you. And it seems like every time I have those moments, I get a phone call or run into somebody like, keep up, keep it up. Mm -hmm. You're doing good. I listen to a song, you know. I mean, as a, as a leader, when everything is your responsibility, do you, do you yearn for the days of just being a side man or are you devoted to say, you know what, I need to be my own man at this point? Because you can do both of it. Yeah, I'm, I know me. I'm going to do both, you know. <laughs> Cause I like playing all kinds of music, and as you can see, I go through different spans of music. Right. In my own my own music, whether I'm writing it or covering somebody else's music, mm. but I enjoy playing with other people. It helps me to continue to grow, you mm. know. And I think um, I don't think I'll ever stop playing for other people or mm. with other people, you know. It's growth, you know, right. and it's a conversation. Right. You know. So all of these different musical experiences that you've had, I mean, you're on record number three, Biscuit Street. Do you find yourself just, are you going for one sound? Are you saying, you know what, I just kind of like this song, this kind of vibe, this will be part of the record? Or, yeah. You know, like growing up in Philly, the radio station, it went from here to there, and you know, and it's like, I never stayed in one genre music, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can find appreciation in a Mozart or a Bach piece, and then I can go do a gospel piece, then go to a jazz piece, then go to a rock piece, and so on and so forth. And there's beauty in all. And you know, coming up, you be like, oh, man. You just try to be cool, and be like, mm. but now it's like, no. You listen to Bach, like, and listen to some of the the the, the things that are going on in jazz music now. Mm -hmm. It's relative, you know, there's a lot of similarities. A lot of people are listening to that stuff then, and it was being created then, but it wasn't, you know, Bach was kind of like taboo almost. So but tell me a little more about Biscuit Street. Biscuit Street, okay. What do you wanna? The record. 
Okay. I mean, in your viewpoint, how would you describe the record? And you were trying to convince me to buy the record. <laughs> hey, Kenyatta, take your, uh, your hard-earned dollar and buy my record. I mean, you know. To be honest, I wrote half of that record on a tour bus through Europe and through the States. And it was like, it was different, ex different experiences that I was going through. And it's just like, it all came out in the music. Mm. Um, like Biscuit Street, example. Uh, the keyboard player in, in Lauren's band at the time, because it was on her tour, mm. he liked watching cartoons. So, because, and now Sesame Street has, as we know, has some of the greatest music. And like, even today, it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. The pinball song, I did more in-depth research on it. I was like, oh, it is actually a full piece. And it's just like, yeah, that's a real. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 10 11, 12. 12 right. Yeah, so it's a lot going <laughs> on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's can't you see? Anybody else is doing it. No, because we had a long discussion about that song one day. And it's like, a, it's a real interesting piece of music. Actually, actually, you did. You did have that. You and Tane had that, that conversation. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real interesting piece of music. So, I mean, so Biscuit Street is basically a wide reflection. Yeah. Of who you are. All my music is, like, again, I don't like to be pinned into one box, mm -hmm. you know. Can you set up your next song? The next song is called In Between Times. Now, this is a new song that I'm putting out soon. I was listening to Coldplay. Ah. And I was like, hmm, oh, okay, let's try it. Thank you, James Biscuit Route and the Buttered Biscuits for sharing your astral rhythms. Be sure to pick up his latest album, Biscuit Street, which can be found wherever you buy or stream music. You can also keep up with Biscuit on Instagram at Biscuit Rouse. I'm Kenyatta Beasley, and I hope that you enjoyed yourself tonight. Be sure to stop by our Brick House studio every Thursday to hear more of the best music that Brooklyn has to offer. You can also check out tonight's installments and past episodes anytime at youtube.com slash BrickTV or check out our Brick Radio podcasts of this episode wherever you listen to podcasts. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Roe Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by O'Neill Millet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. And we will have so much fun. Oh, my baby, she's